I like Psalm 84 because it's about the church. And I love the church. I love this church, faith church. Those first two verses in the psalm are powerful. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord, it begins. And that's talking about especially the gathering of God's people in the temple, which was the Old Testament equivalent of the church building. Right along with the psalmist, Christians today yearn for the gathering of believers. Among the many good desires that the Holy Spirit living in us, like we talked about with the baptism, of the many good desires the Holy Spirit puts in the hearts of the people of God is that desire for public worship, for that fellowship with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's why uh, when, when you come to worship regularly, you, there's a satisfaction and a fulfillment. And, and when you don't, if you had to miss, you feel like you're missing something. Psalm 84 is very majestic and beautiful and grand, talking about the church. But what about the nitty-gritty question of what the courts of the Lord should look like today? What about when people are searching for a church home? What should you be looking for? You know, the elders of the church are especially called to lead the church. What should they be looking for as they seek to lead in the temple courts today? This past summer, I had an opportunity to worship in three Christian Reformed churches besides faith. And they were all, they were all very different from one another. All of them were quite different from faith. One was in the city pretty casual, quite multi-ethnic, almost a two-hour worship service, music led by a few singers, a keyboardist, a drummer, and a percussionist, Roseland CRC. Another church was in the suburbs. This was a church that normally has two morning worship services, one with traditional music and the other with contemporary. But in the summer, they just have one service. That service was about exactly an hour long, I would say. A band led all the songs. Visuals and the screen were very important in this service. There were different things going on in the background of the songs. There were lots of pictures to accompany the sermon. That church was Elmhurst CRC, very close to us, right around the corner. The other church, very different again. It was in the country. The pastor was an immigrant from Africa. There were about 25 people in the service. The service was about an hour and a half long. There was no air conditioning. Thankfully, it was a decently cool morning. A piano player led many of the songs, and we sang along with the CD for a couple of the songs, too. That church was Calvary Community CRC in Plainwell, Michigan, not too far from where my parents live. Similar Worship elements in every service, but done in very different ways, very different types of buildings, different styles, such variety. 
And I'm only talking about Christian Reformed churches right now, just a small percentage of all the churches out there in North America. How do we sort through all that? How is Tyler going to sort through all that if, when he grows up and if he's uh, not living right here? If he's living right here, I'm sure he'll be at faith. But as he grows, how's, how's he going to figure that? If it's like that now, think, I mean, we can only imagine... I'm guessing the variety is going to increase, if anything, all the types of churches out there. Well, the key for us as believers, as church members, for the key for leaders in the church, like everything in the Christian life, is it's no big surprise, but it's something we need to keep coming back to. The key is to let God's word direct us. And so very simply this morning, I want to draw out from Scripture three essentials for the church. Just a little bit of an aside before we get into it. Sarah and I um, had a wonderful day yesterday, a wedding with the Voss family in the middle of the day. Um, And then in the evening... Uh, we were at Moody Church because of the thoughtfulness of one of you here this morning. Uh, we were given uh, ex- tickets to a discussion with Eric Metaxas and Dennis Prager. How many of you know one or both of those names? Many of you. They're, they are two solid conservative voices in our nation today. And they talked about the future of our nation fascinating, thought-provoking evening. Dennis Prager, who has a radio talk show, he said at one point, I'm about to say the most politically incorrect thing to you all that I could say in America today. So we're like, hmm, what? And then he said this, I trust the Bible more than my own heart. Pretty profound. I thought it was genius. Christians, of course, we would enthusiastically agree. Especially as we look at issues of our day, like the definition of marriage, which is something they spent some time on last night. We say, I trust the Bible more than my own heart. And if that's true, that we apply that to the political arena... We apply that to moral issues of the day, and we we seek to winningly bring that to our nation as Christians and stand ever firmer in that. But if it's true in the political arena, if it's true for moral, social issues of the day, well, it's also true for everything else in life, right? Sometimes it's easier to look at issues that are out there We've got to apply that truth to the church, too. We've got to do that, or we're going to be looking for all the wrong stuff when we look at the church. If we don't do that, what we're going to be left with, we're going to be left with our feelings, our impressions, our preferences. If we don't do that, if we're just looking to our heart without being grounded in Scripture, our tendency will be to focus on non-essentials, to major in minors, and 
The reality is we don't always get things right apart from God's word. In fact, I'd argue without the direction of God's word, we never get it right. We trust the Bible more than our hearts when it comes to the church too. And, and that's, that's why today as, as we're starting out a church season together, I, I want, want, want us to take a look at scripture again and look at three essentials of a biblical church. These are what I would say are biblical non-negotiables. They must be present. They must apply here to the three churches I visited this summer. The leaders must ensure that this is happening. As members, we must be working towards these and building up the church and supporting the church with these in mind. They line up roughly, but not exactly, with our three E's. And you'll see, you'll note that as we go, but I'm not going to say much more about it than that. Experience God's word, express God's love, equip God's people. But we're going to approach it just a little bit differently. First of all, an essential quality of the church is that it is building on the rock. It's building on the rock. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus says there, on this rock I will build my church. The church of Jesus is to be built on the rock, What is the rock? The Catholic Church has always said that the rock means Peter. Because Peter's, you are Peter, and on this rock. Peter is Petros in Greek. Rock is Petra. So you see they're very, very close. And then what they do is they call Peter the first pope. And papal succession has gone on from him throughout the ages. The rock is Peter and all subsequent popes. Protestants across the board have seen the rock as referring to Peter's confession of Christ. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that is the rock on which the church is built. And that's the way I think we need to see this. That statement from Peter along with the little phrase, Jesus is Lord, those were the first confessions of the church. And if you think about it, they say it encompasses everything. Those little phrases say everything about our faith. Um, Under my, you know, there's a religious views section under Facebook, and it's kind of like, People say different things there. Um, I just put, and I did this a number of years ago, and I, keep, I just put Jesus is Lord because it does encompass everything. But as time went on, confessions 
had to become greater and longer because some people were saying different things about Jesus. Like some people early on in the first centuries were like saying Jesus is Lord maybe, but, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was God, which of course is wrong. And then so when that started happening, different interpretations of Jesus Lord, believers went back to the scriptural revelation about Jesus and developed our creeds like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. And that all fleshes out Peter's confession here. At the time of the Reformation in the 1500s, there was a flurry of greater articulation of the faith through confessional statements and catechisms, uh, some of which we still use today, to flesh out and describe our confession of Jesus even more. All of that is building on the rock, which is another way of saying we are building on Jesus Christ. So building on the rock is building our church on Jesus. It's building our church on our confession of Jesus. It's building our church on the teaching of the apostles. Teaching, knowing who Jesus is, growing in our confession of Christ, all that together is essential to being a church of Jesus Christ. Because of the importance of building on the rock, that's a reason why at Faith CRC uh, we still have Sunday school and catechism for students from 1st through 12th grade after Sunday morning worship during the church season. It starts September 22 again. It seems to us that's what a church building on the rock does. And as families... You are building on the rock when you prioritize having your kids there and involved. We're doing that so that we learn about Jesus and learn all that that confession, Jesus is Lord, means for our lives day by day. There are a lot of other ways we build on the rock as a church that we could talk about, but we do that especially and centrally when we put a priority on preaching. Public worship like this, with preaching, it's really, this is the central place where we confess Christ and where we grow in that confession by going to God's word. And you are built up, especially in your faith, when, when we're here together for worship and when we make that a priority for ourselves and for our homes. There's something central and special and mysterious about preaching in our goal of building our church and our lives on the rock. So I lived in the Netherlands during my middle school years. My dad moved our family over there, my, me, my, my mom, me and the four kids, I'm the oldest of four. My dad went there to study. He, he's a pastor in the CRC. Um, at Crossroad now. He's going to be here in a few weeks, actually, as we focus on Crossroad. He's going to be preaching. Um, but he was studying at that time, studying preaching, actually. A fancy word for preaching is homiletics, by the way. We had a really good church home in the town we lived in, which was Compen in the east part of the country. But sometimes we'd visit area churches. One Sunday, my dad especially, because he was a pastor, liked to visit other churches when he heard good things about them. There were pastors there. So one Sunday, and I would tag along uh, with him most of the time. 
One Sunday, we went to a nearby town called Urk, U-R-K. We attended a quite conservative Reformed church there, full of families, young kids, all ages, vibrant. There was like a buzz when you went in there. The sermons, morning and evening, were 45 to 50 minutes long. After one of the services, I don't remember which one, my dad and I were talking about the length of the sermon, and I told my dad, Dad, I know it was 45 minutes long, but it felt like 10. Now, you might think, well, that's just not normal for a 12-year-old. Pastor Greg is just a little bit odd, and, and of course, he did become a pastor, so maybe that's got something to do with that craziness. But if you stop to think about it, I think... You've had similar experiences in your life with the preaching of God's word. Times when God has touched you in a special way, when you weren't just listening, but you really heard him. When it seemed like the preacher was speaking just directly to you, when you know he didn't even have your exact situation in his mind. He didn't know it. So it's not just me. There is something special about God's word when it's faithfully proclaimed. The church builds on the rock in all sorts of important ways, but the central place is in worship like this, in faithful preaching by servants of God. A second essential quality of a healthy biblical church It is spilling over with love for others. The call for God's people to love others so much fills the Bible that it's very difficult to pick a single text. But I want you to listen to a verse from 1 John 4. In fact, the father of the bride yesterday afternoon had a wedding devotional at the reception from First John, which he quite rightly said is known as the epistle of love. You can like open up First John and, and almost pick any verse. I'm picking verse 8, which actually puts it negatively, which you're never supposed to do as a pastor, a negative example. But listen, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So the flip side is, if you know God, which Knowing God, that's another way of saying you're being built on the rock, right? If you know God, if you're being built on the rock, if you're growing in your confession of him and his son Jesus, you will love. So love is a natural outflow of building on the rock, growing in the word, knowing God more, having Jesus, loving Jesus, the Holy Spirit being in your heart. So an essential quality of a healthy biblical church is that there is love for others, that it's tangible. So at faith, we show love for each other. We care for those going through hard times with our prayers, with visits sometimes, with meals sometimes, with cards and notes. By hiring Dr. Armstrong, who's with us here this morning, by the way, welcome, good to see you. By hiring Dr. Armstrong, because we're without a pastor of congregational life. Well, why do we do that? It's because of this, because we need to show love to our sick, those who are shut in. 
by having a pastor visit with them. We love one another by being full of grace with each other, always, in meetings where maybe out there in the world, in boardrooms, things can get contentious and dicey. In meetings in the church, we listen and we speak with respect for one another. Always. We quietly discuss and we trust the Spirit to lead. We don't have a critical attitude because we love. The love we show here to one another spills over to outside our membership, to guests in our midst any Sunday, guests in our various ministries. We have an active evangelism committee that works on ways we can share the love of Jesus with others. And all of us, all the time, keep in mind those in our lives who need the church. And we ask for God to lead us to ways that we might introduce them to his people and to his son, Jesus. Loving others gives a special focus to those who are in need. And that's why we ensure, and any church does and should, we ensure that there are opportunities to serve those in need at faith. Whether it's the hungry and orphan in Mexico where our serve team is going, whether it's through pads or ministry to the homeless, shoebox ministry, serving the very sick children at Loyola, Crossroad, which reaches those in prison, or those going through tough times when Stephen ministry can step in. So you see, we spill over with love for others. I am completely convinced about this as an essential quality of the church because God's word directs us there, but also because I've experienced how essential it is. I've experienced it right here at Faith CRC. Sarah and I and our girls have been loved by you through the stillbirth of our son Jacob, through my brain surgery. Brain surgery, I just still can't believe I had brain surgery. In your support and encouragement through almost two years now of chemotherapy, we've been loved. We've experienced it. We're so thankful. Thank you. I haven't said it. I believe that that is the experience that people have in our church. Let's keep that up. And let's ever be looking out for those who need love. Sarah has told our girls many, many times, and I've heard her say it, that at school, they need to look out for kids who may seem to be lonely or who don't have a friend. And, and I know that's sunk in with them. They, they keep that in mind. Well, we do that in the church here at Faith, right? We, we look out for needs. We receive the love from God, and that it spills over beyond ourselves to those around. It's one of the greatest gifts we have to share with others. And what's so cool about it, it's like the greatest gift we have to share with those who don't believe. Love, the love of God through his people, can win them over. That's two essentials. Here's the last one. Third, finally, 
An essential quality of a healthy church is that it is transforming all of life. Romans 12, near the beginning, says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God created this world good. Very good, says Genesis 1. And then sin entered. The fall happened. And what sin does is it has degraded the goodness of creation and of our human nature. Spiritually speaking, it's like chemical weapons were used on the planet and on people. And humanity, now we're living with the results of corruption and death. God sent Jesus to die and rise again, to redeem us from our sin, to clean up the mess. Jesus is God's love poured out with God's truth to do just that. And in him, we can be changed. And in him, we can start seeing the change around us. There is restoration. And this isn't just something that happens within the church but it happens wherever God has placed us. It happens in every square inch of life, as a famous theologian from our tradition named Abraham Kuyper puts it. Another way of getting at what I'm trying to get at here is that as important as the local church is, as much as this is a message about essentials of the church, And as much as I think the only way spiritual growth will truly happen in your lives is if you are active in your local church, there is more to life than the church. You have a home life, you have a work life, you play sports, whatever. The church isn't there, it shouldn't be there, to pull you in so that you make it your everything. That's not healthy. And I say this because I think it's possible for churches to be dysfunctional in this regard. There is absolutely something core and central about the church in God's mission. I would go as far as say it's the epicenter of the mission of God. But the church is also here to equip us to go out from here and into the world, right? Our confession of Christ, our love for others, it's to be worked out in all areas of life. And there are all kinds of different areas of life. And so there are Christians who are called to the business world. There are Christians who are called to work in the finance world. There are Christians in schools, in the world of art, in politics, They're Christians working in the suburbs, in the country, in high-rises, downtown, in their homes with their children. And each one, by God's grace, is an agent of transformation and restoration. At faith, we want you to be built up to go out and make a difference. We want you to be transformed with God's word and love so that you can be a transforming person wherever you go. I know 
you don't always feel like you're making a difference. Feel, I can feel the same way, and I'm working in the church, so don't feel bad if you feel sometimes, am I doing anything? But you are. Keep your eyes open. Look for what God is doing, and when you do, you will see small and large victories. God is at work in this world, and in you, he is at work. And he's at work in your corner of the world, too, through you, because his Holy Spirit is in you. And Faith CRC is here to help you in that by feeding you, by filling you, equipping you with the word, with the fellowship of believers. And I I consider that just a tremendous privilege to pastor this church with this task of equipping the saints of the Lord. It's humbling. I need God's help. I need your prayers. I can't do it alone. And, And we don't do it alone. We need each other. We do it all together. I'm so thankful for the tremendous army of willing workers and givers that we have here that make it possible to be about what God calls the church to be about. I look forward to this new season of ministry that is beginning. Let's look to needs highlighted in the bulletin and from the pulpit and fill them together. At faith, let us continue in our exciting calling of building on the rock, spilling over with love for others and transforming all of life, starting in the church and out from here wherever God has called us. And thinking again of Psalm 84, may God continue to make this a place that many people yearn to be because we are a faithful and healthy and biblical congregation. Amen?